You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning to everyone here at Life Center, watching online, and our 10 o'clock folks in the chapel as well. For those of you who are coming back into town, it's super good to have you back. It was Passover in Jerusalem, and the city was crazy busy, frenetic, like just frenzied atmosphere everywhere. The, it was probably sensory overload. There's a lot of smells, a lot of sounds, a lot of sights, so much going on. Uh, people jam-packed into Jerusalem, and Jesus comes in from the east side, down the Mount of Olives on this Palm Sunday on the back of a, of a donkey. We, we hear that story usually around Easter time, but there's a s- small little thing that, that happens, a small little interchange, a really short, quick narrative that happens while all of this busy is going on. And you're going to see it on the screen. It's in John chapter 12, beginning of verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast, meaning the Passover feast there in Jerusalem, were some Greeks. Now more than likely they did not come all the way that day or that week from Greece, but there were a lot of Greeks that lived in the Decapolis, the ten cities. Um, Probably a day and a half journey maybe for them to Jerusalem. And they came to Philip. Now why would they come to Philip? There's twelve disciples. Why would they come to him? Well, Philip has a Greek name. The name Philip is Greek. Philip was from Bethsaida, which is the northern part of the Sea of Galilee, there in Galilee. And here's what the Greeks asked him. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And those last two words are kind of inspiration for a series that we begin today called See Jesus. What if that was the leaning of our hearts? What if that was the passion of of our lives, the true longing for our souls? We want to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. It's obvious that we find the words and the ministry and the person and the purpose and the reality of Jesus in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels. But for the next few weeks, we're going to also find Jesus in the Old Testament. We're going to see Jesus in the Old Testament. Christ is there because Jesus is eternal. There's several places where we see the the persona or the person or the heart or the characteristics or the foreshadowing of of Christ in the Old Testament. We can see that because, because Christ existed uncreated before time even began. And I hope that these six weeks that we have of this series of See Jesus builds into us a discipline of finding Christ all throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, but also builds into us a discipline of finding Jesus, seeing Jesus all throughout our lives. Would you turn with me, please, to the great Old Testament book of Genesis, and let's go to chapter 32 together. It should be the easiest book you find all day. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. We'll go to verse 32, excuse me, chapter 32 together. We'll start in verse 22. This is the great story of Jacob wrestling with God. 
Genesis chapter 32. Once you open there, if you don't mind keeping your Bible open there or your smart device there, and that way we can continue to refer back to, to this passage. Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22. The same night, he, meaning Jacob, arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail, prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said back to him, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven or wrestled with God and with man. You've wrestled with God and man, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, which is the same place as Peniel, limping because of his hip. That's a great, weird story. It is a very strange story in the Old Testament, but it's a turning point in the life of Jacob. Before this night, Jacob, all throughout his life, was a con artist. He was ruthless at that. He was a liar. He was a manipulator. In fact, the name Jacob means, and sorry for all the Jacobs in here, your name means deceiver. More specific than that, the name Jacob means grabber. And Jacob took every opportunity he could to, to grab every moment, every opportunity that he had to elevate himself and to lower other people. Jacob grabbed every opportunity he could find, he could see, he could take to make sure that he was the winner and other people were the losers, even if it meant that he had to cheat and lie and scheme. So Jacob's life is just one big story of this never-ending struggle. He was a man who was very filled up with anxiety, with, with fear, with self-centeredness. And now we come to this pivotal point in the life of, of Jacob. And he's about to see his brother Esau. In fact, he's going to see his brother Esau. Esau is on the other side of the Jabbok River. Now, you may remember this. If not, let me just tell you, Jacob has betrayed Esau. And Esau, his brother, said, the next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. And this is where Jacob is headed, to go see Esau. The, the brother who has vowed to take Jacob's Life. Now, Esau was a man's man. He was big and hairy. He was a, he was a hunter. He was impetuous. He was, he was a meat eater. He was shallow. He's, he's the Old Testament version of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. He used antlers in all of his decorating. Like, this is, this is Gaston, just shallow, impetuous. And Jacob's going to face this bitter brother, Esau. And he's anxious for his life. So Jacob puts a bribe together. And this bribe, he is hopeful, will pacify his angry brother, will, will calm him down. In fact, we get to see what the bribe is 
with your Bible, I hope still open there in chapter 32, just jump back up to verse 13. We see that the tribute, if you will, that, that, that Jacob's going to gather to try to appease and pacify his angry, bitter brother Esau, verse 13. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. So this is where Jacob is staying, there on the banks of the, of the stream of the Jabbok. And here's his present, verse 14, 200 female goats and 20 male goats and 200 ewes and 20 rams and 30 milking camels. Gross. Like that just sounds disgusting to me. 30 milking camels and their calves and 40 cows and 10 bulls and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys and a partridge. No, that's a different thing. And so 10 male donkeys. You see all these things he's kind of gathering up to, to, to hand over to his brother. In fact, he's already sent his family across. We saw that earlier. Now he's exhausted. Now he's alone. Now he's facing certain death from his brother. He is divested of everything that he has. He's given away all of his worldly possessions. He's powerless to control what's going to happen next. I don't even have time to tell you about his father-in-law, Laban, who's chasing from behind. Like his father-in-law hates him as well. His father-in-law is out to get him, to make him pay up, maybe to kill him as well. And so you have an angry father-in-law, Laban, behind him. You have an angry brother in front of you that wants to kill you as well. And so it looks like he just could not struggle any longer. He just collapses in this deep sleep on the banks of the Jabbok. And in the quietness, someone, capital S, comes up behind him. And begins to wrestle with him. And this one who begins to wrestle with Jacob touches his hip. Now, that word touch in English is kind of a lighter word. That's not what the word is here in Hebrew. The word is nagah, which means to strike or to smite or to hit with great force. And it pops Jacob's hip out of socket. Have you ever dislocated something before? I've dislocated a toe, and I thought I was going to die. I was calling for narcotics and a priest. Like, I really thought this was the end of, of life for me. And, and here's an entire hip socket being popped out by the hand of God. Nagah, a violent word. And in a flash, Jacob realizes who he's wrestling with. Jacob realizes who he's dealing with. And Jacob, I love this, verse 26, he is not letting go. He's drawing in even closer to this wrestler. And Jacob says, I want your blessing, verse 26, and I want your name, verse 29. The grabber who is left so empty and lonely by this world is now grabbing hold of God. And he's not going to let go. I want this God to bless me. I want this God to know me. So this morning, I want us to see five ways where we see Jesus in this story. Five ways we see Jesus in this incredibly interesting, at times awkward story in Genesis chapter 32. Here's the first thing for you to hold on to yourself. Maybe you want to write this down. Maybe you want to memorize this. Maybe you want to wrestle with this yourself. Here's the first thing. God is personal and most personal in Jesus. Something really fascinating here. I'm sure you saw it the first part of verse 24. God waited for Jacob to be alone. Do you see that? And Jacob was left alone. When you think about it, probably a lot of us in this room, we, most, we experience God most of the time 
in groups. Like, like we come here on, on Sundays and we gather before the presence of God with other people. Probably a lot of your experiences with God were with friends, you know, a camp or a retreat or a life group or a CG or, or an ABF on a Sunday morning. Or again, maybe in this room, most of us tend to experience God in groups and maybe a lot of us, we don't experience God enough in aloneness. Maybe many of you have met Jesus in a group, but you rarely meet with him alone. And Jesus is most known in one-on-one time with him. God waited for Jacob, verse 24, to be alone, to be all by himself, for his family to be gone. Let me just say this with a lot of love. Being around Jesus people and Jesus music and Jesus preaching and Jesus culture and Jesus events is still less than being with Jesus. And knowing him and drawing into him. Now let me be very careful to say all those things are good things. But less than knowing Jesus. In the quiet. In the stillness. Knowing Jesus in your loneliness. God is so personal and most personal, I believe, in in Jesus. Here's the second thing where we can see Christ, see Jesus in this passage. God comes to us. And that's certainly most clearly seen in Jesus. It is God who comes to us. It was God who came to Jacob. Jacob was a jerk. A manipulating, self-centered, lying jerk. I don't know another word to say in church. He was a jerk. And Jacob probably reminds many of us of ourselves. But God, which are two of my very favorite words in the the scriptures, but God, driven by his own love for Jacob, comes to Jacob. Did you see that in verse 24? Let me see see it one more time. Jacob was left alone and a man came to him to begin wrestling with him. Jacob was alone and God came to him. Spiritually, Christian, we were alone before Christ came to us. We were orphans. We were fatherless We were spiritual outsiders. We were spiritually isolated. We were the walking dead. And then Jesus came to us. Nowhere do you see a more grace-filled story in all of history than God sending his son, Jesus, to unworthy people like you and me. Sending Jesus into the world and sending Jesus into our empty, needy, desperate lives. We see God's pursuit of us so clearly in Christ. If, if there's nothing else you remember today and you're focused on an MLK holiday tomorrow, a day you get to get off and to maybe be on, on a memory of MLK and go celebrate that, or maybe you've got school starting on Tuesday and that's all you're thinking about is school on Tuesday. I got three words for you for today that I want you to remember. God initiates relationship. It's God who moves to you. It's God who moved to, to Jacob. God comes to us. That's most clearly seen in Jesus. Here's, here's the third thing I want you to see, and this is fascinating to me. God limits his power and reduces his unapproachability for Jacob to receive victory. 
For those of y'all who are taking notes, I'll give you a good 40 seconds to write out unapproachability. I know that's a long word. But in this story, here's what happened. God is, is going to limit his power. Jacob does not limit God's power. God limits his power. God reduces his unapproachability. Jacob did not do this. God did this. He reduced his unapproachability so that Jacob could receive victory. And certainly you see Jesus in all those descriptors. Make no mistake about it, Highland. God could have won this wrestling match, but he would have lost Jacob. I mean, Jacob was experiencing this incredible victory all throughout the story. Did you see it back in, back in verse 24? And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That might have been four hours or six hours or eight hours, but, but Jacob was hanging in there in a wrestling match with God. Look at verse 25. When the man saw, this is God, saw that he did not prevail, could not have victory, did not win against Jacob, that's when he reached out and touched his hip socket. Look at the same in, in verse 28. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have wrestled or striven with God. You have wrestled and striven with men, and you have prevailed. You have won. But that's only because God limited himself. And in this, friends, we see the story of Jesus. When Jesus came, he limited himself. He limited his own power. He reduced his own unapproachability by becoming a naked baby, a human. And again, reduced his power by allowing man to hang him on a cross that we might receive the victory of forgiveness through his blood. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll do it for you, but you will see it on the screen. This reminds me so much of Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8. When Paul is writing about this reduced unapproachability of Jesus, when Paul is writing about Jesus limiting his own power, here's, here's what he writes, verse 7 and 8 of Philippians chapter 2, but, but Jesus emptied himself. By taking the very form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's six things in, in that one verse where we see these phrases of reduction or these phrases of limitation. First of all, he emptied himself. Secondly, he came in the form of of a servant. That is Jesus limiting his own power. Not that mankind limited Jesus. Jesus limited his own power. Jesus reduced his own unapproachability of the Lord of heaven and earth and took on, secondly, the form of a servant. Thirdly, in the likeness of men. Fourthly, in human form. Fifthly, he humbled himself. The Lord of heaven and earth humbled himself. And sixthly, became obedient to death on a cross. Jesus reduced his unapproachability so that we might approach God. Jesus limited his power that we might live in the Spirit's power. Fourth thing I want you to see is that God's grace toward us is Jesus. It's the most perfect picture of the grace of God, the most perfect manifestation of the grace of God. God's grace personified is Jesus himself. That limp that Jacob had, he would probably have 
the rest of his life. I can't imagine being touched by God and your hip being thrown out of socket and recovering next week. More than likely, he would have this limp the rest of his life, but that limp would be a sign of God's grace. So preacher, why would you say that? Because Jacob deserves so much worse than just a limp for all of his lying and cheating and scheming and grabbing. Jacob got so much less than what he deserved for the life that he had chosen. All of us in this house, we all have wounds. We all have limps. We all have some sort of of brokenness. Residuals from poor choices we made in the past. Hauntings of, of hurts that we have gone through carryovers from decisions that we made last weekend or 30 years ago. But friends, have you considered before that the wounds you have, the spiritual limps that you have might actually be a sign of God's grace? Because in these wounds, in these limps, we see the care and the grace of God. What if our wounds actually showed that God's grace was real toward us in Christ Jesus? When you think about it, Jesus' own wounds forgave our transgressions. The stripes on the back of Jesus actually purchased for us our spiritual healing so that we all could, by his grace, be his. Fifthly, here's where we see Jesus. We can draw near to God through Jesus and live. We can draw near to God through Christ now as New Testament believers and find life ourselves. This is good news for us. It was a shock for Jacob. Look back at Genesis chapter 32, verse verse 30 and 31 with me. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet, here's the surprise, and yet my life has been delivered. I'm still breathing. The sun rose up on him as he passed Penuel. Limping because of the hip injury. Peniel in Hebrew means the face of God. Uh, Penam is, is the Hebrew word for, for face. El is the Hebrew name for, for God. Here Jacob had, had seen God and yet he lived. Jacob was so shocked that he had seen God face to face to be so close to God and then walk away, well, limp away alive. We think about it, Highland. Jacob did win. He was so close to God, and not just that he was so close to God, he held on to God, verse 26. He was blessed by God, verse 29. <laughs> and then he says, again, with probably great surprise, my life has been delivered, verse 30. You see, we too can come to God and live. When we come to God through Jesus, we too can hold on to God. Maybe better said, God through Christ holds on to us. We too can, can be blessed by God. We too through Christ can have our lives delivered. There are people all around you this morning. They have been delivered, set free. They have come to God through Christ Jesus. And they say, just like Jacob says, my life has been delivered. Christian, 
we get to win. Because we get to live. But let's step back and see the upper story here. Let's step back and see the redemptive arc. The big picture narrative. The only reason we can win is because Jesus took the loss. Going to a cross to bleed out for us, to become a crucified sacrifice for our rebellion so that we could come through him to God and be forgiven. Let's see Jesus. Not just in God's word. Let's see his life, his power, his activity, his grace, his nearness every moment of every day this week. Would you stand with me please and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the son, Jesus Christ. The rock for our lives, the foundation for our lives. He is the gift of grace. God, it's not just that you have graceful feelings toward us. You gave us grace in Jesus Christ. A tangible, receivable gift. God's grace with flesh on. Walking and teaching and dying and rising again. God, give us this grace to see Jesus as his name is whispered on every page of our Bible, but also give us the grace to see Jesus in every hour of our days. We don't want to miss him. Our our hearts today, God, I pray would be like those Greeks. We wish to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. God, in the busy, crazy time that that it was in Jerusalem for Passover. The frenzy and the loud voices, the sensory overload. God, we can relate. So would you give us quiet hearts like that group of Greeks to want to see you in the middle of the fury around us. It is in that name, the name of the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. We pray to this God who can be known. And we pray and we sing in that name. Amen.